Welcome everybody to the Scott Ross Show. My name is Scott Ross and I am very excited to have you with us. We have a really cool guest today. His name is Steve Chu. He's an e-commerce wizard, an entrepreneur, and a podcaster. You might know him from his popular blog, MyWifeQuitHerJob.com. He graduated with an electrical engineering degree from Stanford, which shows you how smart the guy is. And he's married to a woman who got her economics degree from UC Davis. But they became entrepreneurs when she was looking to quit her job after becoming pregnant with their first child. Fast forward to now, he's making seven figures and coaches entrepreneurs all over the world on how to have similar success. I think there's a lot here for absolutely everyone, no matter your walk of life or your ambition level. We're going to talk about complacency, how you overcome that, how to have the mindset necessary to get incremental wins and maintain balance in your life and keep family first. So I think you're really going to love this episode. Here is Steve. So, Steve, welcome to the Scott Ross Show. I'm so excited to have you with me. Thanks for having me, Scott. You bet. So, you know, I know your background a little bit, but why don't you just tell everybody a little bit of your story and, you know, going from your education through to founding MyWifeQuitterJob.com and what that's entailed. Yeah. So, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I started out uh, majoring in engineering, electrical engineering, and I did that for 17 years uh, designing microprocessors. And uh, the reason how I got into this whole entrepreneurship game is my wife, when we became pregnant with our first child, she wanted to quit her job and stay at home with the kids. And where I live in the Silicon Valley, I'm not sure if any of your listeners are are in the Valley, but it's expensive here. You basically need two incomes to get a good house and a good school district. And so with my wife quitting her job, we needed to find a way to replace that income Otherwise, uh, we wouldn't be able to be in a good school district, which would kind of defeat the purpose. And so we thought about different ways to make money, and we decided ultimately to sell handkerchiefs online. There's a story behind that, too, if you're interested. But that store ended up making six figures in profit in our first year, which was just about my wife's salary. And as a result, she was able to quit. And uh, we we started that store in 2007, and today is a seven-figure business. Amazing. Amazing. Now... You know, the thing that stands out to me as I look at your background, because you didn't mention it, but you went to Stanford, which, you know, is is a very prestigious thing to have done just to have gotten into Stanford, let alone graduated from Stanford. And it's something that, you know, for the average person and they might think, well, if I had gone to Stanford and was an engineer, you know, life would be pretty chill. Uh, I wouldn't really want to rock the boat too much uh, doing something crazy by selling handkerchiefs online. So tell me about like, what was your mindset and mentality that propelled you out of the status quo when it would have been pretty easy to just stick around? Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. I I really liked my job and I would have done it uh, forever if I could have. Well, I could have, but what ended up happening is uh, my other businesses. So I had this other business called MyWifeQuitterJob.com where I just kind of blog about my experiences in e-commerce. I also have a podcast. I run an event. I have a YouTube channel, a whole bunch of things. That side of the things that business started making like eight to 10 X more than my salary. And here I was going in every day for a job that I loved, but that took away time from my businesses, which were much more lucrative. And so what ended up happening is I negotiated down to four days and then two days. And then finally I negotiated where I could work on my own businesses while being in the office just to answer questions and make sure things were going. And I would have kept that arrangement going, but then one day we had a new VP pulled me in and said, hey, uh, I noticed you're on the payroll for two days a week. 
uh, what exactly do you do for this company? And I was forced to tell him, I, I actually don't do anything here. Um, I'm just here to answer questions. And so that's kind of how I got out of it. Um, I am a very conservative person by nature. And I definitely would not have quit my job had my other businesses been so lucrative. And the other thing I do want to point out, you mentioned that Stanford is a, is a prestigious place to go. I would argue, and I, I agree it is, but I would argue that going to a good school and getting a good education, like an engineering degree, actually hurts your chances of becoming an entrepreneur because you kind of get sucked into this salary, which is good, but it's not amazing. And then, you know, it gets into this mindset of like, oh my God, if I start a business, I, I could lose all this other stuff that I have and it's pretty cushy, if that makes sense. Uh, it totally makes sense. I'm 100% with you. And I think a lot of my listeners are nodding their heads violently right now as you're saying that. And I know that, you know, I've got people that I care about and mentor that are on both sides of that equation. So I've got people who they're, they want the thing that's on the other side of the fence, but they're afraid to take that leap. And then I have other people who just took that leap and maybe it's not home run yet. And so they're kind of looking back over their shoulder, like, man, that actually looks kind of good now that steady paycheck thing. So let's talk about both sides of that. I mean, what you, I know you mentor uh, entrepreneurs a lot. I mean, what, how do you counsel people who have the fear and they, they kind of like what's already in, you know, it's like, I know what's behind door number one. How do you get people to, to move towards more of the risk taking side of things? Yeah, so first off, I always advise that people continue working while pursuing their business, kind of like a side hustle in the beginning. Uh, a lot of people say, oh my God, I work so hard, I don't have any time. And I always say BS to that answer because I know me, I, I always, I'm always wasting time somehow. And I remember like my wife and I, we worked full time when we were starting our e-commerce store. And what we ended up doing is we, we cut out certain activities like watching TV. We we didn't go out with friends as much, but we were working nights and weekends. If you really want to do it, you can definitely find the time. Um, there are some people who contact me and say, literally, I am working like 16-hour days. And, you know, there's a, there's a amount of mental exhaustion involved as well. So I would say if your job is really like that strenuous, which in some cases it is, you save up some sort of nest egg that will give you a runway of, of at least a year, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. I mean, we coach people have six months of expenses in the bank minimum and then go create an income that's the same as what you already have and then start thinking about phasing out what you already got. You know, what is the carrot? I mean, what, why do you think it's so, so beneficial to be your own boss, to control your own destiny? Um, I can speak from that from a family perspective. Um, when I grew up, my parents worked full time and the only time I really saw them was kind of at night for maybe an hour, hour and a half before I went to bed. And I know with my kids, I didn't want it to be like that. And so the businesses have allowed me to, even more so ever right now with this pandemic going on, to spend like all of my time with them and just to make sure that I'm an integral part of their lives. And it's, it's been fantastic. The business also allows you to time shift tasks. So in the beginning, when we first had our child and we had our business, you know, we could take care of the kid entirely during the day and then we would pack and ship orders at night. And so it just gives you a lot more flexibility. The other thing is I've lived through, this is, This will be the third downturn. So I lived through 2002, uh, 2008, 2009, and there was layoffs at my company. And I just still remember the uncertainty during those periods. Whereas, you know, with your business, 
there's still going to be uncertain periods, but at least it's going to be gradual. Like you'll see it coming and you'll have time to prepare for it. Whereas when it comes to like your job and layoffs, it's, it's almost instantaneous. So I almost think that having your own business is a lot more secure than having your day job once it's a little bit more established. Yeah, great. I agree. Now, I was going to I want to come back to some of the the things we were just talking about. But since you mentioned the downturn, I mean, what are you telling your people right now in this pandemic? I mean, how are you telling people to strategize and, you know, what tactics are you advising? Yeah. So, Scott, I actually started all of my businesses during the last downturn. Uh, the downturn, ironically, and it's counterintuitive, it's, it's the best time to get started. People are scared, people aren't investing as much. So if you get something started and you build it up, by the time things get better, then your business can really thrive right out of the gate. I wanna take a moment and thank our sponsor, Bluehost. If you wanna do anything entrepreneurial, you need a website. And the best place to host your website is Bluehost. Bluehost supports more than 2 million websites worldwide. Their bandwidth is unmetered, so you never have to worry about performance. And the biggest reason to go with Bluehost is their support. I use them because they have 24-7 support based in the United States, and they are amazing at solving any issue you will encounter. Bluehost has anytime money-back guarantee that allows customers to cancel whenever they want without penalty. Right now, Bluehost is offering my listeners free domain name for one year. That's worth at least 10 bucks. Free SSL certificate. That's worth at least 65 bucks. And one click WordPress installation for just $3.95 a month. That is less than a dollar a week to get yourself or your business on the web. Go to scottrossonline.com slash Bluehost to take advantage of this offer. That's scottrossonline.com slash Bluehost. Get online and take yourself to the next level. One thing I know you talk about a lot is the idea of like a base hit business versus a home run business. Can you talk about what that means? So, uh, so I teach e-commerce and oftentimes people think that you have to find like the next big product, the next big thing that's going to make you millions. But in reality, at least the way most e-commerce entrepreneurs are, and I have a whole bunch of friends that are, that are doing e-commerce, a lot of times it's just about gathering a whole bunch of base hits and just building that portfolio of products over time. And so it, it's important to think that way because your mentality is going to be different. If you think that you have to make a home run and you release a product and it doesn't hit a home run, you're like, oh my God, that was a failure, right? And you want to give up. Whereas if you think about it, in, in a way where you're just going for a bunch of base hits and as long as you're making a profit from that item and it's worth your time, you just continue building that portfolio up over time. Most of the entrepreneurs I know don't hit it rich, like suddenly. It's a gradual process. This kind of goes back to your, your handkerchief uh, story, right? I mean, maybe tell the story of how you guys got into the linens business. Yeah. So, so the way we got into that was uh, when my wife and I got married, uh, we spent an ungodly amount of money on our wedding, including the photography. And uh, my wife, she knew she was going to cry at the at the altar. She's a crier, so she wanted to she wanted a handkerchief to dry her tears of joy instead of using hanker, uh, instead of using tissues, which wouldn't show up as well in the photography. We ended up looking for them everywhere. Couldn't find them except for these factories in China. So we ended up ordering a bunch since it's a factory. Ended up using a handful of them, sold the rest on eBay, and they ended up selling like hotcakes. And that, that's how we came up with the idea. Sorry, Scott, what was the second part of that question? 
Well, no, that's good. So, I mean, that's a hit, that's a base hit business right there, right? I mean, it's the whole adage of, you know, you don't need to invent a new product. You just need to improve a product 10% and you can become very, very wealthy. You know, when improvement could be in the way that it's delivered, it could be the service that's provided around it. It could be a new ingredient. It could be any, any minor improvement. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be some newfangled invention that requires years of research for sure. Yeah. I mean, Starbucks didn't invent coffee. And, and some would argue they didn't improve coffee, but to the average person, to the average person who was drinking Folgers before going by Walmart in the morning, I mean, sorry, uh, McDonald's in the morning, uh, Starbucks was an, a 10% improvement. And so it just changed the game. And obviously they've been hugely successful. I'm just curious how you coach people in terms of you, you mentioned putting a portfolio together. Do you think it's important for entrepreneurs to try to at least be in some a connected niche like if you're doing linen you might want to do pillowcases or what could you do linens here and like gummy bears over here i mean you know do, you, do they need to be in the same space or can they be all over the map i mean ideally they're in the same space so when i say portfolio no one starts out with a portfolio you can start with a single product and it's just about how you kind of structure your page or your promotion to promote that one product and then ideally uh, the way your business grows is you pick related products so that when someone buys one thing, you can cross-sell them another and take advantage of that repeat business, which is a huge part of, of growing. You've mentioned that you and your wife had become a little bit complacent in your careers. You clearly were able to transition into the entrepreneur world. Have you faced complacency as an entrepreneur? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think I have not. Uh, my wife has a little bit because we've been running that business for 13 years now. And, um, <laughs> you know, what's funny about all this is my wife was never really uh, entrepreneurial. She just wanted to stay at home with the kids. And so um, for her, maybe a little bit. For me, I find that there's always new things to learn. There's always new marketing methods that just keep it really interesting. Something that I say a lot is that your awareness is a lid on your success. You cannot rise above your level of awareness. Like if you're not aware of something, you can't master it until you become aware of it. Like if I didn't know there was such a thing as riding a bicycle, I couldn't master riding a bicycle. So one of the most important questions that any leader or entrepreneur can ask is what is it? What do I not know that I don't know? What are your best strategies for continuing to stay on the front end of, like you just mentioned, marketing strategies, technologies that can help you build your business, you know, new forms of thinking? Like, how do you make sure that you're staying abreast of that stuff? So one thing, I run my podcast, and I don't know if this is why you do it, Scott, but I run my podcast so I can reach out and meet other people. Uh, everyone wants to, because I'm giving them free exposure, so everyone wants to talk, and you end up having this long conversation, and then you just ask questions about what they're working on, and I always gleam something from all of my guests. Uh, the second thing that I always do is I go to live events, uh, where a whole bunch of the speakers are, are talking about the latest trends and that sort of thing, and it also gives me a chance to meet these people in person and establish new relationships. And so between my network of people that I've established over time, um, I'm always learning new things every time I talk to them. Now, as an e-commerce focused person, tell me your opinion on growing an audience. Like, you know, there's people who will teach you a lot of organic concepts and techniques. And then there's others who are like, just do the shortcut, buy ads, you know, get, get, get ad space. I mean, tell me what, do you have a preference in terms of how you teach your entrepreneurs to go about things? And what are you seeing too with all the, the changes in the algorithms on social media and that sort of thing? 
Yeah, I mean, I can tell you the fundamentals of what I teach. So I, I teach uh, like the four pillars of e-commerce. So number one is establishing trust in your store, making sure it looks professional. What's what's often what's also very important is your ability to retain customers. The conversion rate is like two percent when you shop online, and so you have to be able to bring the other ninety-eight percent back through email, and through that is when you're building an audience. I guess is what you're referring to. Uh, the next pillar is getting people to buy again, right? And so by keeping in frequent contact with them, people buy from you, and sometimes they'll forget about you over time. So you have to remind them back to come back if they haven't purchased in a long time. And only once you have those three pillars in place should you even begin driving traffic. So in the beginning, you, know, you can use paid ads to drive traffic, but ultimately you want to be able to get their contact information, build an audience, build a brand, and that's what creates a lasting business. Got you. And what are you seeing now in terms of, you know, like what we're doing right now, a podcast used to be only audio. Now everybody's doing it audio and video. There's tons of streaming that's happening. People are going live on Instagram. I mean, are you um, finding that the, the traditional old school, a website, an email marketing system, the ability to capture and connect with them, is that still the cornerstone or is, is social media and a lot of the streaming starting to, you know, lapse? that yeah so I know for my efforts I have not focused as much effort on social because uh, in my experience social when you you might get something that goes viral but it's very temporary it's like a couple of days maybe a week at most whereas if you spend your time on more lasting resources like I focus on SEO uh, my YouTube channel um, and just building these platforms that have a greater lasting reach rather than something that's like running I, I, I consider social media as more effort, more, it, it takes a lot of effort. I, it's almost like running on a treadmill, so to speak. You can have great, uh, you can have great wins with social media, but it just requires a lot more effort. I don't know if, if that's been your experience, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was kind of throwing up a softball seeing if you'd hit it there because I see so many people who are really, they're trying, they think that social media is the way to go. And like you say, it's a never ending thing. I mean, that's a, they've basically created a job for themselves rather than a business. And I was going to ask you about that uh, as a follow-up. I mean, what have you seen as the best ways to make sure that you do create a business rather than a job for yourself? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways. So the way I like to do it, as a former electrical engineer, I try to have machines do as much as possible. So a lot of my flows and everything are completely automated by machine. Uh, I do a lot of Facebook Messenger marketing with chatbots and that sort of thing, and that's all automated. And naturally, the other way to do it is with human capital, uh, hiring other people to take away some of the tasks on your plate that you don't want to be doing. So for example, I have a podcast editor, I have someone edit all my YouTube videos, answer my emails, and that sort of thing. So it's a combination of those two. I try to steer more towards computers because computers don't talk back and they work 24-7. Right. So that's interesting. I, I'm just going to just pick your brain on that. what you just said there a second ago with human capital. Are you... Um, are you using like virtual assistants or are you using overseas uh, people for that? I mean, what's your strategy there? Uh, I found that the, my best employees are in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. uh, just for some reason, the work ethic and the mentality is, and I'm generalizing here, of course, but the people who I've worked with in the Philippines tend to have a much stronger work ethic than the types of workers I've been hiring in the United States. Yeah, 100% agree. And do you, have a, do you have a favorite way to connect and find those people? Yeah, so I use onlinejobs.ph. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. I've used Upwork. I don't know if you've ever used Upwork before, but... 
I guess there's there's pros and cons to to every platform. Uh, Upwork is more like if I have a project that I need done, like a one-time thing. Uh, I don't tend to look at Upwork if I'm if I'm looking to hire like a full-time employee that's going to be a permanent employee. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Now you have a lot on your plate. I mean, you've mentioned several here, right? And I'm going to probably leave some out, but you have my uh, wifequitterjob.com. You have your podcast, you have the events that you're doing. I think you have something called a seller summit. Is that right? And, and then of course you've got your portfolio products. I mean, how do you balance everything and, and keep the plate spinning? And like you said, still make family the focus, which is the reason you're doing it. Yeah, so I wouldn't be able to do this without my wife. So my wife does the day-to-day for our e-commerce store over at BumblebeeLinens.com. And I I mainly run the marketing for that. I I would say I work at most 20 hours a week on maintaining all those other things, the blog, uh, the podcast. Uh, The event is kind of bursty. Obviously, as the event gets closer, there's a lot more work there. But everything else, uh, I have everything just kind of as part of a routine. Like Sunday mornings, I do my writing. Uh, the podcast, I'll interview one or two people a week. That's a couple hours there. Um, YouTube channel, I'll record something really quick and just kind of throw it overboard to my editor. It doesn't require that much time as long as you have kind of like a routine and a schedule in place. Got it. So, um, and then in terms of where you give your attention, is there a strategy you use to determine what should receive more or less focus out of the portfolio of stuff that can earn you revenue? Yeah. Uh, so these days, money isn't as much of a factor. So I will spend my energy towards the stuff that's that's the most fun, really. Uh, these days, I actually really enjoy working with other people. Uh, for a long time, entrepreneurship was a was a solo affair. Like it was just my wife and I, and it, it got pretty lonely. Uh, recently, I've started working with partners on things, and it just makes the whole experience a lot more fun. Yeah, for sure. What kind of partnerships are you doing? I mean, like joint venture type stuff, or just kind of split the revenue. So I started a, another online course on blogging with a partner and that's made it a lot more fun. Whereas my first course was was by myself. Uh, the event, the Seller Summit is done with a partner as well. Okay. Terrific. Terrific. So um, what's your advice to someone right now in this economy? Let's say they were living paycheck to paycheck and they've just gotten blindsided by what's going on here, uh, which is a huge number of people. And let me preface this by saying, like, I'm subscribed to all these newsletters and, you know, I pay for mentors and stuff. And everybody's saying, you know, here's what you do with your portfolio. Here's here's what you do with precious metals, with real estate. Meanwhile, I'm looking into the real world. And a lot of these people who are coming to me, they aren't in a position to do any of those things. I mean, what they do with their portfolio is like, uh, what portfolio? I just lost my job. So do you have a, do you have a, a, a set of, I don't know, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but maybe one, two, three recipe for that person who's been blindsided. What could they do right now that would be more entrepreneurial that, like you said, would set them up so that when the economy comes back, they've got something rolling? Creating content is free. So it depends what your skill set is. If you like to write, start a blog. You can literally do that for three bucks. Uh, if you like to talk or if you have a good voice, go into podcasting. Uh, if you everyone has a phone these days, start putting out YouTube videos. The key thing is to start building your audience now so that when things get better and you actually have something to sell, you can leverage that audience towards whatever to point them to sell whatever you want, whether it be affiliate offers, your own products, anything. Got it. So content right now, just literally focus 100% on content. Yeah. Um, pick something that you're good at. Uh, you don't have to be like the foremost expert. You just need to be better than the person that you are teaching. 
So uh, I teach e-commerce today, but when I first started doing it, I, I wasn't the expert. At the time, I was only making you know, a couple hundred thousand, but I was just documenting my experiences. And people liked the way I was writing, and so they started following me. And that led to a training course because people were asking for it. Uh, that led to a podcast too, so I could kind of reach out and meet other e-commerce entrepreneurs, which eventually led to a conference. So once you start creating content, good things just always happen. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So um, one thing I ask everybody is, uh, what's the one book that you would recommend everybody should read? Psychology of Persuasion, Cialdini. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely brilliant book. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you think there's going to be a new normal or do you think things are going to go back to the way they were before? I definitely think it's going to be a new normal. Uh, more and more people are going to be going online. So I would say e-commerce and other online businesses are here to stay. Like I can tell just by talking to my mom, she's she's now using terminology like, hey, you want to Zoom? Or, you know, before she would never even know anything like that. Uh, I think people are going to be a lot more hesitant to go out, at least in the near term. And I remember, you know, after 2001, you know, September 11, uh, a lot of people were hesitating to travel right away. I was the same way. It actually took me probably a year before I wanted to travel again. Ironically, even though it was probably the safest time to travel, right? Right after that happened. Same thing's going to happen here. Um, people are going to be less likely to go out. Um, and people are going to be doing a lot more shopping online, especially since they're used to shopping online right now. Yeah, I totally agree. So what are some final thoughts you would leave with our listeners of, you know, what, what they should do moving forward? I mean, final thoughts are just start doing something, start documenting something. Doesn't even matter what it is. Start documenting whether you want to do a podcast, YouTube channel, or just a blog. Uh, the point is, is you have to make it a part of your routine. Just say every like Friday morning, I'm just going to write for an hour or I'm going to film one video or I'm going to put out one podcast. And what's nice is over time, as long as you don't even think of it as work, it's just part of your schedule. Over time, you'll, you'll just have something great before you know. Yeah, love it. Hey, how can people follow up with you and get more of your content? Yeah, you can find me over at mywifequitherjob.com. I actually offer a free six-day mini course on e-commerce if you're interested. That is over at mywifequitherjob.com slash free. And if you are getting married, uh, I can hook you up with some handkerchiefs over at bumblebeerings.com. <laughs> well, we might all need some handkerchiefs right now. I mean, you know, <laughs> we just attach a little rubber band on each side and call it a mask, right? You know, it's funny you say that. We just put out a craft tutorial because, uh, you know, this whole virus thing has brought our business down a little bit too in the e-commerce land because no one's getting married. No one's putting on events. So we actually put out this tutorial on how to create a mask out of handkerchiefs. And we started giving away free handkerchiefs with any purchase. And that promotion has done really well. I love it. I love it. Way to pivot and take advantage of the circumstances. That's great. Well, Steve, it's been a real honor to have you. We'll definitely send people your way. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you again. Cool. Thanks for having me, Scott. Appreciate it. You bet. So much to take away from that fantastic conversation. Um, Let's review some of the main points that I took notes on. Number one, making sacrifices with the end 
in mind. You heard me talk about this a thousand times if you've been around and seen me speak in public or been on my previous podcast. I mean, we begin with the end in mind and he definitely did that. If you're going to work hard to achieve something, cut out the things that don't help you get there. Too many people are just literally wasting away time rather than investing it. When Steve and his wife decided they needed a change and they wanted to pursue their own business, they cut out TV, outings with friends, they clocked hours on weekends, they put in the time during those early years so that they started building a family and once the family was growing the business would be on autopilot and they could cash in on all those early efforts and man have they done that they've got amazing work-life balance now because of those sacrifices in the early stages the second thing i noted was keeping a safety net when you're first starting off one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they you know quit their job too quickly i see people do this all the time steve didn't automatically quit his engineering job when he started building his business he kept a foot in both worlds so he had a lot more stability and you know he wasn't under pressure he was he was building his business because it was his passion and he had a lot of enjoyment from doing that rather than you know having to press too hard and you know the world just notices when you're pressing and sometimes it's harder to get results that way when when you don't need it the results just seem to come and so he put himself in that position when his own business started making eight to ten times more than his day job boom took the plunge and quit his job third thing that stood out to me was, you know, there's opportunities in economic crisis. Steve explained that every business he has gotten off the ground was started during an economic crisis. So don't discount your dreams right now just because the economy is rocky. Keep realizing that these opportunities are actually right in front of you. And when we come out of this thing, the people who put the seeds in the ground now, there's going to be a big harvest there for them. And last, take incremental wins. I mean, get base hits. You don't have to always have home runs. Uh, Keep your you know, smaller goals in mind as you reach for the big goal and celebrate every win you get along the way. You know, that's a big mantra of mine. So hopefully you got a ton out of listening. I'm very, very grateful that you did. You can learn more about Steve and his work at scottrossonline.com, as well as check out some of the things I'm working on. You can also watch the video from this conversation on my YouTube channel, which will be linked in the show notes. We'll see you next Wednesday with a new episode. God bless and take care.